0: Goosebumps number 27, A Night in Terror Tower by R.L. Stein. It's gonna be a L-O-N-G night. All locked up and no place to go. Sue and her little brother Eddie are visiting London when they run into a, a little problem. They can't find their tour group. Still, there's no reason to panic. No way their tour guide would just leave them, all alone, in a gloomy old prison tower. No way they'd get locked inside, after dark, with those eerie sounds and a strange, dark figure who wants them dead. That Listener is. beware, you're in for you're a scare. Saber's a great Terror Tower. Welcome to, welcome to Terror Tower. Welcome to Terror Tower. Do you say Terror Tower or Terror Tower? A Night in Terror Tower. Terror Tower. Terror Tower. No, you you say A Night in Terror Tower. Terror Tower. But Earl Stein says Welcome to Terror Tower. Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving. Taco Bell or Taco Bell. Let's go to Taco Bell. Let's go to Taco Bell. I say Taco Bell, but everyone else says Taco Bell. And I also say I also say Thanksgiving, but everyone else says Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving is coming up. Thanksgiving is coming up. We're going to Terror Tower. We're going to Terror Tower. Let's, I say Terror Tower. Let's spend a night in Terror Tower. Ooh. But R.L. Stein says. Do you say R.L. Stein or R.L. Stein? I say. I, I say R.L. Stein. I say. R.L. Stein. I t- say. Ooh, Stein. I say. L. Stein. Welcome to Terror Tower, you guys. Welcome to Deadcast, you guys. Welcome to Welcome to Deadcast. Welcome to Terror Tower. Welcome to Terror Tower. My name is Daniel Montgomery. I'm Matthew Scott Montgomery And we're the Terror Twins <laughs> We're the Terror Twins We definitely say Terror Twins So you said you had some secret about this book Okay Get I, in real close and tell us that secret I have some Terror Tower tea to spill Oh, that tea, tea, tea. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I have tea-tea-tea to spill Uh-uh, that tea-tea Ew um, uh, Okay, so I have a lot to say about today's episode Then um, say it Terror, A Night in Terror Tower Here's my secret, you guys Are you ready? A Night in Terror Tower is, out of the entire Goosebump series, the book that scared me the absolute most. In fact, it's the only book I know of in the entire series that scared me so much, I had to stop reading the book, I put it down, and I had terrible nightmares. I was so scared reading this book that I thought the Lord High Executioner was going to come in my bedroom with an axe and kill me you really it scared me to death oh my goodness and I have read this book twice now three times once when it came out once I read it once I reread it when I was 16 she sells seashells by the seashore and once this past week because I built it up in my head is this is the scariest book in the Goosebumps series and I was so scared watching the TV episode that I had nightmares that night and I refused to watch it ever again. For the longest time, A Night in Terror Tower, I was like, I hate that episode because it's way, way, way too scary. Wow. I know, but then I learned to love it again and A Night in Terror Tower became my laundry unfolding TV episode. Oh my goodness. After I do laundry I put, and I have, right now I have two VHS copies of A Night in Terror Tower and I have it on my phone and I have it on my computer because I was like, I'm gonna learn to love this episode that scared me so much. So now when I unfold laundry, I watch A Night in Terror. What Tower. about it scares you so much? Everything about it scares me. For some reason, it's like... I. It's a really kind of a high concept, weird plot with like um, one of the major goosebumps twists, I feel like, except this time rereading it, I feel like it's so blatantly, it's so blaringly obvious, It's so completely obvious. But all, all of it really, really scared me. The idea of this book, what's happening, the weirdness, I, I felt like it could have happened to me as a kid and it really, really scared me. I'll say me. that the TV episode and the themes in the TV episode seems so much more... Uh, adult? Seems so it's more adult than everything yeah, this else. Yeah, isn't, this isn't like a silly sponge or this isn't green ooze. This is like, this is like I'm I'm gonna get my head chopped off, in dark in dark, dirty old England. Yeah, it's so like Game of Thrones. Yeah, it really really frightened me. Anyway, I don't. I I'm gonna. I, I'll tell. I'll say a secret. I'll tell you a secret too. Yeah, I don't love a Night in Terror Tower. I like I said. I had to, I had to make the choice to face my fears and learn to love this book and TV episode. I think I do. I, 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 I agree that it's very scary. The TV episode and the book are very scary, and it, it look feels, at the cover of it. I know, and it feels like a little different than than the rest. It feels very different than the rest of but the, I, the, the but series but it, it doesn't doesn't tickle my spook bone. You know what I mean? To me, this is too scary. Well, it just doesn't t- t- tickle my giggle box. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, do, it doesn't it doesn't give me that woo. Yes, it's so just like i kind of was like okay yeah like this is scary and this is a good book but this is not one that i feel compelled to reread however rereading it this time i remember this book better than i remember most of the really books. and i remember There's most of cert- the books fairly well There's certain parts of this book that i remember very very well as i was taking notes i thought i didn't have to take notes because i know or i didn't have to finish reading the book because i can just take notes but because I, I feel remember like this, happening is, this is not a very appealing plot to children do you know what i mean like that's why it confused me like when they released like dvds and VHS is they're they like, like oh night- like, an old story you know what I mean like stuff yes. like that a night I don't know what kid is like I just love a night in terror tower you know what I mean like that some kind kids of, I'm sure it's so dummy stuff is kind of fun it and plays they, into that sort of fantasy element that we haven't gotten to yet I guess in the that's series. true yeah I guess you know that's it's true. like medieval and well let's let's explain what it's about well you right. want to talk about the, the cover quickly so the cover of the book if I don't remember if we included this clip or not in our Goosebumps movie review big episode or not but but do you remember when we went to go to the silent movie theater here in LA for the all-night Goosebumps episode marathon and T Jacobus was there and he was telling us, you know, he's telling the audience stories about his artwork and things like that a night in terror tower was the cover that was he did in 24 hours yes it, it was it took him the well he had the least amount of time to finish it because usually he would get sent um, the description of the book in it and he would make the picture the, the the portrait or picture or illustration painting whatever then he would send it to scholastic slash R.L. Stein so he usually would read the books first in this one he had to get it very very quickly and he, it looks great for being it's kind of an so an sexy and incredible incredible cover but it's also very frightening it's a um a jacked like muscle bodied, tan hairy man wearing a green neon green burlap sack dress with wrap boots and big black gloves wearing a pointy black executioner's hood covering everything except for his beady white eyes peeking out and he's carrying a giant gleaming axe down a stone staircase um tim jacobus was also speaking about um this is where he started to really get into or start to explore that forced perspective yeah. of book covers, you know, where it really like you see the the long stairway behind him really getting smaller and smaller. It's as if he's coming towards you. It's like almost that fish eye lens sort of point of view That type he's going to start really doing. Really taking a look at this cover, I understand why some child would be like, ooh, this one looks like scary and dark and wild and fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, the colors we're working with for this book are like bright. Royal blue. It's kind of like a, a a deep royal blue and like a creamy Meyer lemon. Oh, wow. I'm getting hungry all of a sudden. Ooh. I think it's interesting. I wanted to point out that the font in the back of the book is different than it any other different. book in the entire series. What yeah. up with that? Yeah, and... Um, the the softest spot that I have for the TV episode, which we will talk more about later, is if any of you have a, a VCR, or had a VCR, or had the Haunted Mask VHS tape. When I know most of you did. I know. I still. When you watch the Haunted Mask VHS tape, which is the VHS tape I uh, watch the most. And it starts off with a behind-the-scenes upcoming featurette about a Night in Terror Tower, and I'll include some of the clips oh, here. Oh, it is just... it, it It's going to be the last thing that runs through my mind as I die. That's true. That's a terrible crash. And, be, and, but be, and, and since I have uh, the Haunted Mask memorized, Daniel and I also have this Night in Terror Tower behind-the-scenes featurette memorized. That Absolutely played memorized. And now, a sneak peek of an upcoming video in the Goosebumps series from 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment. Hi, my name's Corey Sevier, and I'm going to be playing the role of Eddie in a Goosebumps production, A Night in Terror Tower. And I'm just here to take you behind the scenes, Go on. Uh, the show so we're making is based on the book by Arl Stein, A Night in Terror Tower. And what it's about is basically just me and my sister are going to London for a vacation and when we get to this place with all the other tour people slowly but surely weird things start to happen we're working very hard in this story today to give a wonderful visual look it will be interesting to watch because we have a marvelous castle we have medieval soldiers well this is the torture chamber they used to bring people up here and what can i say they used to torture them torture he say torture i even said lines from it yesterday yeah i quote it on a daily basis like all, all the time so i have such a soft spot for that and so i feel like i really love that a lot more than i love this book or the tv episode <laughs> sure yes i i absolutely understand that well, i do have a special spot in my heart for it for sure well let's hop to it we're 10 minutes in let's hop to what oh, actually, yes what so, scared me so much so our protagonist well our main protagonist is sue but it's We have two of them, excuse me, we have two, Sue and Eddie. Sue is 12, Eddie is 10, as you do, and they are in London. Um, They are, their parents have brought them to London because their parents have a vague conference at their hotel. And So Sue and Eddie have been exploring London for the day. We don't really have your annoying little brother or sister thing here. There's stuff that Eddie does that's, like, kind of annoying, but, like, it doesn't go too deep. It's kind of charming, and actually they're, like, both really on each other's sides for the most part. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, I just want to point out some quick things that they did in London. They went to the British Museum. They went to Harrods. They went to Westminster Abbey. They went to Trafalgar Square. They even had bangers and mash in a pub. This book is a little bit edutaining. They kind of teach you about, like, London stuff. And so um, they have literally been driving around on a red double decker bus, and the last stop of the day is Terror Tower. And it's a the tour group is about twelve people led by a guy named Mister Starks, mm-hmm. and Eddie was the one who was like, I, "Let's you know, let's vote to." Let let's go visit the tower, Mr. Starks asked. Do you guys want to go to a museum or Terra Tower? And Eddie's you know, like, funny. I wanna to go to Terra Tower. What I was fun about reading this book is for the first half of the book, listen how cute this is. I read it to my boyfriend in bed while he was going to sleep. Aww. And I did different voices for all the characters, and it was so much fun when I got to act as Mr. Starks. Wow, what did your Mr. Starks sound like? Hello, children. I can't remember what it was. Oh, well, I was really into it for a second. Yeah. So they they made it to Terror Tower. And even though Eddie was like, I want to go to Terror Tower, he's starting to get a scared as they pull up to it. Yeah. Let's tell you what it looks like. It's a, this gray castle with two narrow towers on both sides, like stiff arms sticking straight up, surrounded by this high wall. Like my apartment building. Oh, girl. And it's like a gloomy, spooky old day. in It's spring in it's this book. Spring and basically Tower Tower was a, a a debtor's prison where people they couldn't debtors pay, they couldn't pay their debts they used to go there and they'd be tortured. Tortured? Did he say tortured? I have a tortured relationship with this book. Oh. Do you remember that one time we went to England as kids and we went on that tour of like castles and torture? Tortured? Did he say torture? ...castles, and there was some tour This is guide. what I... You guys, when I think of Terror Tower, I think of this in my life. We had this tour guide. Life. I forget, it was, it was like Mr. Starks or something. Yes. Who was like showing us around, and he was showing us where all these people got beheaded. We went to the Tower of London. And... That the, was the worst English accent impression I've ever For some heard. reason... English is hard for me to get into. Once I'm in it, I'm good. Australian, I can do like that. It always, I can't even try it. This episode, it's always going to go Australian. I'll be like, "Wow, welcome to London. You got to see the tower. Time to go see Big Bean. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, we went on some like fucking tour of London, or whatever. It was a fucking tour. That's yes, terrible. We were too young for it. Anyway, honestly, I remember it, we. It was like a torture tour. Tortured? Did he say tortured? it was the a tour of London tour. and I remember you know our tour guide talking about like people being beheaded and what and actually their happens and chips and bones and it cutting through the neck and, and as you passed out can I fucking tell my story you you weren't you ruined the ending I was gonna like make a nice cool long sexy fun story well anyway when I was a kid I, re- I remember the tour guy getting sexy <laughs> this tour guide was telling us about what happens when you try to chop someone's head off but it doesn't chop off and you have to keep hacking at the bone until the head falls off and he was talking about bits of gristle and bone flying in the air and I remember him describing one thing this makes me feel fucking sick this is why this is why it's sexy like pieces of bone would fly into to the audience of people's to, to people who are watching this beheading, and sometimes bits of bone and gristle would land on their face, and that made me. Th- made me. I didn't throw up. I don't think. I just kept passing out, and I just passed out all day, every day for the rest of that tour. I'd walk a few feet, and then I would li- literally pass out, and I had to keep my head between my legs. I remember I we know. had to like take you to the courtyard or something, and just like give you some fresh air. It's kind of. It's not sexy now. It's kind of embarrassing, actually. I don't think it's embarrassing. I think people are trash, is what I think. Yeah, that's true. Trash tower. So. They're at the. They're at Terra Tower. They're about to go in, y'all. Eddie's kind of scared. Sue is taking a bunch of pictures. She loves to snap those pics. Yeah, she's, she has like a camera. She's total tourist. And right as about their uh, as they are about to go in, Mr. Stark says, "I'm so sorry to give you this bad news, but you will be imprisoned in the North Tower. There, you will be tortured until you tell us the real reason, reason why you've come." Tortured. <laughs> children, the real reason. And then, of course, it's just a little Terror Tower joke. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it, What a great joke. As Mr. Starks is telling them this joke, a large hooded, ma- hooded man creeps out of the entrance with an ancient-looking green tunic. Remember him from the cover? Uh-huh. With an enormous battle axe, and he says, does anyone need a fast haircut? Uh-huh. Lol. Oh, this place is fun. This is the Castle Barber. Lol. So Mr. Starks is like, alright, you guys, we're gonna go into the torture chamber first. St- torture? Did he say torture? Stick together, it's it'll be it's you know there are hundreds of hidden passages and secret chambers, it's easy to get lost. The last group was lost in there forever. My boss really scolded me when I got back to the office. Uh-huh. Oh man. And right as they're about to go and Sue stops to take a picture of Eddie and then R.L. Stein says, little did she know it was the last picture she'd ever take! Although this is is in first person. Um, But, you know, she said, little did I know that this is the last picture I'd ever take of Eddie. It's like, what? Okay, what? So they go into uh, this sort of dark... You know, dimly lit chamber with display cases—basically a torture chamber with a torture. Did he say tortured? With a rack in the middle of the room, like a wooden pulley thing, where you know somebody's arms and legs are stretched and stretched and stretched until they pop out. Oh, Matthew just passed out. Matthew just passed out. You guys, Um, I'm putting my head between my legs. It should be me, really, the one that I know passes out. The thing is, oh my goodness, I had a dream last night. Oh my goodness, I had a dream. I had a dream. That I was listen, I was doing drugs, okay, but I was injecting them into myself Daniel I know it was some, it's something I would most likely never do in real life I, I mean have... I could ne- I mean I could never give myself a shot Ooh. but in the dream that's what I was doing, and I was doing like I don't know why you guys I don't know why I don't support this at all, but I was doing I was injecting drugs into my foot. Ew. And Ow. the needle got stuck in too far. I'm going to pass out talking about this. The needle, Put your head between your legs. The needle got stuck in too far, so I had to get a... This made sense in the dream. I had to get another needle and, like, poke it into the needle to pull the needle out. I hate this. And the syringe got stuck all... Sucked up into my foot. <laughs> I hate this. And then I had to walk. <laughs> Oh, wow. This book was giving you nightmares. You know what? It really was. And um, I'm not going to get over it anytime soon. Wow. Anyway. Anyway. What made me think of that? Torture? Torture? Did he say torture? I can't remember now. So, oh. um, Oh, passing passing out. out. Yes. Yes, definitely. And again, like this was, this is, this book gets kind of like. You know, it deals with weird torture, such an abstract, scary, scary concept. Torture? Carrie's concept for it's little such like kids. It's like an abstract Carrie Underwood. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's one thing where it's like, you know, like vampires or werewolves or mermaids. But this one's like, about torture. torture? Did he say torture? Yeah. So, they're in this torture chamber, and they see this man with a long black cape and a wide-brimmed hat pulled low down over his forehead. So, this guy scares me. Out of every, like, goosebumps, like, I guess villain or monster or something we could say, this Lord High Executioner really frightens me because this description, he's a giant guy in all black with the this giant black wide-rimmed hat. Like, it scares me. It makes me think, like, Poltergeist too, like, Beyonce Formation. Yes, that's exactly right. That kind of wide-brimmed hat. Yeah. And Arlstein describes him as... H- they, he says his dark eyes his eyes glow darkly from them can i stop you for a second sure you know how we like sound the alarm and like tweet all the time like fell hard in his elbows and knees i got glowing, another one for you it's eyes glowing darkly there have been so many books now that we've reading re, that we've reread them that i feel like in every book at some point a dog or someone or something's eyes glow darkly can somebody show me what that looks like? Please, if you guys have a gif or a gif or anything, please send it. Please send me. I wanna know what what gl- dark glowing eyes or look like. Or email at welcome to deadcast at gmail.com pictures of eyes glowing darkly. Because the question for me is, are they actually glowing? Or is it just like, you know, his his eyes shimmered in the light or something, or is it like literally glowing like a piercing red light? I remember way back to Welcome to Dead House. Yeah. And I want I want to say. I would love to believe in, like, a fun way that it's, like, they're literally glowing like, like something, yeah. like a supernatural light. But I think Arl Stein intends it just to be, like, yeah. they're just intense eyes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, let's start look, looking out for that when we're rereading. And, I don't know, maybe at some point later we might even fall hard on our elbows and knees. I don't know, bitch. So, who is this guy? And, you know, uh, Eddie and Sue think see the guy and think he's probably just like a guard or even like part of the Wally. probably part of the tour who even knows but sue's like i want to take a picture and then she of the I rack want to take a picture of the rack and then she realizes her camera is gone oh no it i w- know who it was who was it the mad pickpocket it strikes was, again. game it was eddie and his buttery little hands fastest hands on earth wow so we Butter learned her we learned that eddie's like a, he, he likes to be little pickpocket so um and there's some stuff that happens where they're looking at thumb screws and like fake uh, not fake but um you know harmless uh um handcuffs that have spikes in them and sue's like they hurt they hurt just kidding they don't hurt lol sorry eddie gotcha torture jokes that's hilarious so they move from the torture chamber up on these narrow steep stone steps and this I, description is frightening to me. Because I want. This, I want. I want to hear how you feel. Like the, I want to hear how you think these steps looked. It's what I don't understand. It's like a tower, like a like a a, a column with st- steep, th- small stairs circling the column. But there's no railing, and if you fall, you just fall into open darkness somehow. That's what I thought too. Later, but for me, I. Um, sue says she, the the it was so cramped she kept bumping against the sides so i thought oh is it not open in the middle and stone steps have are like spiraling around it it's just like a oh like it goes up like that do you guys get what i'm saying either way this whole stuff it really scares me it uh, it's yes it is scary and it's confusing anyway they get to the the they get to the they get they they're about halfway up the tower and they reach a cell for like where they used to keep political prisoners. They reach the cell starring Jennifer Lopez. And Vincent D'Onofrio. And the cell where they keep political prisoners, it's just a small stone bench with a wooden table. And, it's like um, my bedroom. <laughs> and Mr. Starks talks about people being beheaded there. Oh, no. You know, no. everybody that stayed there went beheaded. Nobody oh, stayed no. there for... I'm gonna be sick. Oh, no. He's gonna pass out. Oh, no, I'm gonna have needle foot nightmares. And so they keep going up the stairs, and S- Sue has the strangest feeling like she's been there before. Oh, I'm having deja vu. I'm having deja vu all over again. That makes me sick. You know what makes me more sick than deja vu all over again? What? Is somebody saying, it was 2 a.m. in the morning. No, bitch. It was two a.m. <laughs> oh, girl, it was only three p.m. in the afternoon. Fuck you. Wow. And I don't ever say that word. You? What word? You. <laughs> uh, so, um, where were we? Uh, okay, so they get to the tiny chamber at the top, and I want to talk about the description of this cha- this chamber a little bit. It's very tiny. The There's a small round window high above their heads that sp- that spills gloomy a gray borehole. light with a rounded bare walls and a ceiling so low that Mr. Starks had to duck his head. Now, girl, how does that ceiling be so low and then there's a small round window high above they heads? I don't know. Is there a skylight? I don't know the answer to that but uh, mr stark says perhaps you can feel the shadness in the room and he says that a young prince and princess were brought up here prince edward and Susanna of york oh okay prince edward and Susanna of york so eddie and sue are listening to this and and as mr stark tells them the story about how the lord high executioner and his men were ordered to smother the children with pillows dirty pillows to prevent them from taking the throne and Susan Sue hears that. Sorry, excuse me. Sue hears this, and you know, really starts to imagine it, and gets very scared. Drops her camera, and br- it breaks, and she misses the rest of the story. And basically. that's why it's the last picture she ever took of Eddie because the camera broke. That's correct. So Susanna and Edward are listening to no, this. No, 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 no. You're confused. It's Eddie and Sue. Oh, oh, I thought we were talking about Edward and Susanna of yours. No, no. You're confused. Those are th- we're talking about Eddie and Sue. Oh, okay, great. So Eddie and Sue are in the chamber where. Eddie and Susan, Edward and Susanna were yes, way back when, and they sort of as as the as Mr. Starks keeps speaking, they kind of look around. They see some black markings on the wall. They're really creeped out by it, and. As they're kind of looking around, they're like, "We gotta get out of here!" And they turn around, they see that the tour group, Mr. Starks. they had, can't even hear Mr. Stark saying, "Hello, children, <laughs> please, children, please." a <laughs> like British accent. Please. Oh, the, like there's some there's some piss poor accents in the TV episode. Oh, what accents, I, bitch. I know. So they turn around, the group has disappeared. And oh no, Ed- they disappear. So Edward freak, Eddie freaks out, and Sue's like, "They're probably at the bottom, whatever." And Eddie's like, "Doesn't it close at 9? like five o'clock what time is it and sue's so like girl it's 5 it's 5 p.m in the evening oh <laughs> <laughs> so they call down the stairs they hear nobody so they say they... hello 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 i live here so they start going down the stairs, and when they reach the political prisoner's cell, they see that, oh wait, there are actually two stairways that lead down from it. What? Mm. Which way did they go? So they choose the right stair, the stairs to the right, but then they hear heavy footsteps coming up the stairs, and lo and behold, who comes around the corner, but it's that man with that hat. This is the part I stopped reading when I was a kid, and I, I remember I put the book under my bed I was so scared and I stared at the doorway thinking the Lord High Executioner with his wide brim, wide brim hat was gonna come into my room to get me Sir Matthew of York no your name's Matt uh, oh sick <laughs> that's so, terrifying so they, he shows up and they're scared at first cause he's huge and they say um sir is this the way down and Arlstein says his eyes glowed like black coals Ooh! and then he says you will come down now you will come with me i do not want to hurt you but if you try to escape i will have no choice and they're like what you're a guard right and he goes, no you know why i'm here and he grabs them with his gloved hands his cold glowing eyes Girl this does not stop His sharp nose His thin lips And he says Don't move And he pulls out Three white smooth stones no. From his cape No please And tries to stack them On top of each other But they can't stay And they kind of fall And she's so like This is our chance to escape So they run down The other stairwell yeah. As fast as they can And they, this big chase happens Right And they get to the bottom Of the stairs And there's this door And it won't budge It's this big metal door And they shove and so shove And they, shove they, and they shove. bang into it in Comedy of three And then they finally Make it through Yes comedy comes in threes and they on the third try they bang through and they close like the metal bar down over the back but but you guys they aren't alone they hear dry cackling in a voice saying you have entered the king's dungeon abandoned all hope." and then they see bony hands are reaching out of a dark cell and they scream and freak out and they realize oh no wait this is just another room of the like the museum and those are just wax figures you have entered the king's dungeon Abandon all and they hear that that's just going on repeat over you and over again. So amazing! Dominion. And then they hear that somebody banging on the door, and it's the old, dope. it's the man. They just know him. He's like, "Hurry, let me in!" You. And Sue freaks out. She trips and she lands on a body. Oh god! But it's not a body. It's just one of those those d- dummies or whatever that were like on the rack. And she says, "My knees and elbows hit the hard stone floor." Boo! So that's not fall hard on my elbows and knees, but my knees and elbows hit hard the stone floor. Change it up, Earl Stein, Change it up. Change it up. Change, change it up. It up Earl Stein, Stein, change it up. So all of a sudden the you door swings open with a big crack, and he says, "You will not leave the castle." And they say, "What do you want? Why are you chasing us?" He says, "You, don't you know the why answer." We're chasing here. And he pulls out those stones again, and they just start to run. And girl, this chamber is really big and it's really dark, and they just stumble around. They find a flashlight on some table of tools. It's kind of hard to it, this this tunnel is kind of hard to imagine because they kind of describe it as there's like ladder rungs on the ceiling kind of and it's like very low and kind of curves around like... something that's interesting to me that Aralstein does a lot is you're running through tunnels that dip down and curve yeah and I have trouble imagining ton like i ain't never of... been in no tunnel that does that minor are, are straight and narrow or they, they turn right they turn left but they don't curve. they don't curve and go down and up like i want to do it i want to know what it's like so they are running through ducking their heads down and they hear that the man is chasing them through this basically tunnel that they found it's a sewer or whatever and you know they're running and running and running and he catches up to them because sue drops her flashlight or whatever and grabs dropping her camera drop her flashlight she's the one with the buttery hands. <laughs> So, uh, he grabs edward eddie and pulls him into his cape and she uses the flashlight as a weapon and like starts to like attack him with the flashlight but then they see then she sees through with the flashlight that headed towards them are hundreds of red-eyed rats gnashing their teeth coming towards them with a shrill whistling and a chittering, chittering. and churning a, a churning sea-, sea of whistling chewing living tidal wave of rats Ooh, girl! And so, um, the man in the cape sees it too. Kind of freaks out. Edward is Eddie escapes from the cape, and they both jump up. Yeah, and she, gr- he and Susanna, uh, Susie, Sue, 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 jump up, and they grab the rungs of the ladder ceiling. And the wave of rats go beneath them, goes underneath from them, beneath the ta- you. It devours the tap, tap, tap of their long toenails, the swish of their sweeping tails, and they sort of like the title like snakes. The tidal wave sort of like runs over like the the man. And he like kind of like runs off and is like overcome by these rats. They chew on his hat. They pull off his cape and they skitter away in a roar of horror. And Eddie has this amazing line where he says that he's like, let's get out of here. Let's get out of this. Sue says, let's get out of this disgusting sewer. And Eddie says, I can't wait to get back on the tour bus. I can't wait to get away from this awful tower. I can't believe we've been chased by a crazy person through a sewer. This can't really be happening to us, Sue. I love that. He's just calling it all out. So they follow the sewer around and around and around. Then they hear this roar of wind or whatever. Basically, they come to a ladder that that they climb that leads to a manhole that opens up into, like, the street. Yeah. Like, in the and it's nighttime now. And they see that they- It's nighttime at night and they see that they're by the tower still of course and that all the lights are off and it's totally closed and they leave back they go back to the parking lot they see no one there's absolutely no one anywhere but then out of nowhere they see a tall white-haired man limping toward them it says you there you there he's wearing a gray overcoat gray cap his skinny frame he's the scottish night guard i won't even i can't even come close to doing a scottish accent no that's not going to happen you're listening to the wrong podcast if you want a scottish sorry accent. and he the scottish the guy says he's a night guard and said that the bus left and they were his looking, name is Emil the night janitor and he said the bus is looking all over for you guys where were you and they say oh my god you you have to help us we were chased by this man he says but there is nobody here but me you're wrong you were in the sewer i think he, this is so stupid he's like you're wrong there was no one there You're not allowed down in the sewer. If you break the rules, we can't be responsible. Now you come out here with a wild story about a man in a black cape and running through the sewers. Wild stories. Wild stories. Wild stories. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. (laughs) And so... He he's like, You guys are lying, and basically says, There's a there's a phone booth every year you can call a taxi. You got money, don't you? And Sue's like, Yeah, I guess money. Yeah, not. we have these gold galleons. And so a taxi comes, drives them back to the Barclay hotel where they're staying, and once they get there, Sue gives them some coins to pay for pay for the taxi and, they, and he goes, Hey, what are these? You're gonna pay these coins. And he's like, No, we take British pounds. We take British pounds. And she's like, uh, I don't know. This is just the money that mom and dad gave me. And he goes, are you paying me with real money or play money? We use British pounds here, miss. I want my money now. She says, why would my parents give me play money? I don't know your parents. I don't know your parents. So she says, we'll run inside the hotel. We'll get our parents. They'll pay him. He says, well, if they're not down here in five minutes, I'm coming in after you. So they run inside. And they run back in the lobby. They run past the restaurant. They're so hungry. And they go to the sixth floor. They're staying in room 626. And they get up there. and They're they... staying in room 6126. And they they get up there. And they're, 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 they knock. But there's no answer. And then they're like, they see a maid. They say, excuse me, maid. Could you let us into our room? Our room. And the, and the maid says, sure. Let them into the room. She goes, I'm normally not supposed to do this. But he." I'll let you in. So they see that the room is totally empty. The lights are off. The bed is made. Then the clothes in the closet. I would just go straight to bed and order room service, girl. They say, what is going on? So they go back down to the front desk to see maybe they like are still in that meeting or whatever. Excuse I don't me. know. And they get there and there's some woman complaining about getting, needing her river view or whatever. About- I, so, there's an audiobook version of this one as yes. well. So, I listened to the audiobook. I listened to it too. And I read the book as well. But um, I did this thing where I listened to the audiobook first. And I was like, I'll just like marinate listening to this. And then I'll I sit down. I did too. And, wow. And then, I'll, I was like, then I'm going to sit down and read the book. But there are all these delicious, stupid little details that I actually really love that are in the book version, not, and not, the, um, not the audiobook version. And this is one of them where it's just this moment of a woman going like demanding a river view from her hotel room. And then the person who's working the front desk is like i'm sorry ma'am there is no river near this hotel and she still keeps demanding for a river view it's pretty amazing river view falls so they they get to the front desk and ask where the meetings is being held and the man of the front desk says what meeting there are no meetings being held this week and Eddie's like, are we right? Are we in the right hotel? And Susan's like, yeah, of course you are. Um, why are you asking me these dumb questions? I'm not an idiot. It's like, what room are you staying in? They're like, 626. And he checks. And he's like, I'm sorry. There is no one staying in room 626. 626 is vacant. He says, well, so what are your last names? And-, and a strange, tingly feeling goes down the back of Suzanne, Sue's neck. And she was like, my name is Sue. Sue Sue what Why can't I remember my last name And tears fill her eyes stream down her hot cheeks And she says Eddie what's our last name and He says I don't know And <laughs> part one Eddie what's our last name Uh I don't I don't know oh, Eddie what's wrong with us What is wrong with us Turn the tape over Unless You've got goosebumps) <laughs> So uh, the clerk says why don't you guys go to the restaurant maybe and while I try to find your parents now when I think of this book there are several things that pop out to me one of these is just this restaurant sequence for some reason absolutely so in absolutely so this restaurant is very fancy tinkling chandeliers in the whole nine and you gotta get a chandelier chandelier like, like this one or that one like how are we gonna even pay for this food what are we gonna do charge it to the room and and Eddie's like yeah what room and so the waiter comes up and says, we, You know, can we get a menu? Because there is no menu. It's tea time. And it's tea tea time. And they're like, Do you mean there's no food? And the waiter laughs and says, No, it's high, high tea. High tea includes sandwiches and skeins. scones. And they say, Yeah, yeah, we'll have that. So he brings them all dat They scarf it down. And they're like, Maybe we can tell our parents what they look like. Maybe that'll help. And then they realize, They can't remember that either. They can't remember anything. They, can, they, they can't even remember what they did yesterday. Something is terribly wrong And things couldn't Possibly get worse Until they see That the taxi driver Has just showed up And he's looking for them In the restaurant no. See all Actually it might sound silly But all of this stuff Scares me a lot It scares me too Like, like being stuck In a foreign country At least I'm they I'm still English. scared of adults And parents Yeah yeah It's Being being stuck in a foreign country Where you can't remember What your parents look like You need to pay A taxi driver and You don't have any money And he's coming after you I don't want It scares me It is scary So they r- just run And they're seated by Like the back wall But they And so there's a a door there that says no exit and they just run through that door and they come to a dirty old hallway they run around a corner and they stop listen to hear if any you know if the tax drivers follow them hear any footsteps and then the cape man appears from around the corner and said did you really think you could escape from me no oh my gosh Too scary so he comes towards them and pins them b- up back up against the door i don't need i had some trouble with imagining this because Stein says they ran around the corner, and then the man came around the corner and backed them up back against the door. And it's like, wait, where? I don't know. What corner? Who? Yeah, I had some try I had to let this go. And the the man says, "You need to give them back. Give them back." And Susanna, Sus is, Sue is like, "What are you talking about? Give what back?" And he's like, "The stones." And Eddie's like, Ugh, "I took the stones. I, I they looked important." And he, the man says, "They are important." And Sue's like, "Oh no, it's the, the mad, mad pickpocket." Pocket. Eddie says, fine. So a knight of the mad pickpocket. So Eddie gives them back. The man stacks him like he's wont to do and starts chanting in an ancient language. And then the hallway starts to and shimmer. And he says, Albus Severus Dumbledore. The hallway starts to shimmer. The doors start to wiggle and bend as if made of rubber. The floor bucks and sways. There's a blinding white light and the sharp stab of pain ensues stomach and everything goes black. Sounds like Saturday night. Ooh! <laughs> so Eddie and Sue wake up in a wake up, and they find that they are in a dark, old-fashioned-looking hallway with hardwood floors and candles. They must have just fallen asleep, and now they're in a different part of the hotel. They must be an old part of the hotel. There's no Kate Mans, and they realize that everything's silent like a weird eerie silence and so they this, fall. this really scares me it's very scary so they follow the hallway for a very long time it twists it turns and it curves up and down it goes down and up. it doesn't it just turns corners and they bump into a group of hooded robed figures walking by what this makes me think of it makes me think of, of uh, death becomes death her. becomes her when the nuns literally float by on their on their wheels, wheels on their wheels yeah and going <laughs> they go past um uh, bruce willis's character yeah um uh, because it's a robed, hooded guy's just kind of floating by, and they're like, "Excuse me, please, to help us." And then none of them really the 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 whole figure ho- robed figures all ignore Eddie and Sue. Ernest Ernest is Bruce Willis's character's name. Yeah, I was a, trying to think of it. And then one of the man's the, one of the man turns around. I love this description. He has sad, dark, wet eyes. Which I think is, I think that's actually really great. I look, looked around when I was reading this. I was like, ooh, this is some good writing. He has these bushy white eyebrows and sad, dark wet eyes. And he looks at him and he says, I smell evil around you. Do not leave the Abbey. I smell evil around you. Your time is near. So near. So very near. And, and then he floats away. And they're like, what? Is this some kind of joke? And Susan. like- I And- Sue's like, they're probably on their way to a party or something. and On their way to a costume party. And Sue's pretty freaked out, and Eddie's like, girl, I'm supposed to be the scared one. You're the brave one, remember? So they walk forever and ever, for a very long time, find no elevator or anything, and they decide to head back from where they came, back to the restaurant, which I guess they think they can figure out how to get to, and they make their way back, and um, Sue is sort of... The whole book, Sue has this sort of internal like dialogue with herself about how scared she is about her imagining you know what the prince and princess are going through and putting herself in that place and how scary it is yeah and she just talks about to herself how scared she is and she says losing your memory is so much scarier than being chased because it's inside you yeah it gets like it gets kind of like um um, psych- like it becomes a psychological thriller. Here. Right? And so they make their way back to where they thought that door was that they came through from the restaurant, and they find a stone wall instead. And they're like, what? And Eddie's like, oh, no. And Sue's like, they probably made a wrong turn. And he says, no, I know they didn't. And then, then they hear laughing in a light. And they're like, oh, let's go follow the light. There are other people. It must be the restaurant. There's a corridor to the right we've never heard. We've never seen. And, and we haven't heard that before. Let's follow it. So they come into what they think is the restaurant. They see an, a, an enormous room with two blazing fireplaces and these people in these weird old-timey costumes seated on low benches around log wooden tables. Can you mention some of the things that they see while they're there? They see an enormous room with blazing fireplaces. I already said that. They see a deer, a giant, and they describe this, a giant deer roasting on a spit and the tangy aroma of the deer being cooked and there are whole cabbages and whole potatoes and meals and people easing noisily talking loudly, drinking from metal wine cups slapping the cups on the table laughing and singing chickens and dogs running around and what another thing they notice is people are all eating with their dirty dirty hands and sue's like this must be a costume party because everybody's wearing these long robes and loose-fitting pajama type outfits of blue green animal furs and there's like a man wearing a bear skin with a keg pouring out a brown liquid into mugs leather vests over black tights I looked up there's one guy wearing only knee breeches of rough brown cloth I literally gig I literally giggled knee breeches I literally giggled I googled knee breeches cuz I wasn't sure what that is it's and basically like capri pants So they ask that man how to get out of the hotel and as they do that two little dumb girls in gray dresses d- down to the f- dresses down to the floor come up to them and assume comments it looks like they've never brushed their hair in their lives and they looked to me like they'd never seen a 12 year old in a t-shirt before and jeans and a t-shirt and the girls kind of giggle t-shirt and my panties on t-shirt and my panties on and the, and the girls kind of giggle and point at them And everybody in the room stops Everyone in the room stops and points at Even them Even the chickens stop clucking And there's an enormous red-faced man in a long white gown. He says, it's them, it's, it's them! them And she's like, oh, sorry to interrupt your party Oh, we just want to get out of here Everyone's like, it's them, it's them So they start coming towards them, cornering them So they run back the into the hallway People like dogs barking, children crying and screaming So they run through the candle hallway forever and ever and ever Until this time they get to a door that they have never seen before And they shove it open into this big bright light And then they scream oh no and they realize that it's all of a sudden daytime and everything has changed they're on a dirty dirt road with small cottages and low wooden shacks there's tall mounds of straw around and clucking chicken bearded men with smocks carrying fish women in long brown dresses pulling up vegetables they, where's the hotel they see that the hotel's not even there there's just a long low building of brown stone like an inn or a meeting hall it's, it's like, like we've gone, gone back, back in, in time. time cows mooing and Sue runs up to a blonde boy with long hair carrying sticks. And he says, good day to you, me. Are you a traveler? And he, she, she says, yes, uh, we're looking for the Barclay Hotel. And he goes, Barclay Hotel? I don't know these foreign words. Maybe you can stay at the Abbey. I must be getting the wood along home now. And she was like, Eddie, he doesn't even know what the hotel is. Eddie? And she turns around almost gets run over by an ox and a cart. Where did, where's Eddie? Where did Eddie go? Where's Julia? Where's Julia? And she peeks into the abbey where she just came from and a cottage and behind a cottage and no, Eddie, oh no. And as she, she runs back towards the road and a shadow falls over her. Oh no, it's the man. It's that man with a new hat. But it's the man. And I love all that. All Ar- this stuff frightens me so much. And Arlstein says she presses her hands to her cheeks in horror. And there's like, I, that made me laugh too because it, also like a page and a half later and she said, I still had my hands pressed to my cheeks. I love that. Yeah, I really And the man love says, it. I said it was time for us to go. She says, where's Eddie? And Eddie, do not worry about Eddie. <laughs> and she sees that, oh no, everybody has completely disappeared except for the dogs and chickens. And she says, where are we? He says, you know me. Your questions cannot delay fate. She's like, you've got the wrong girl. I won't go until you tell me where Eddie is. And then he grabs her. But then a big rumbling ox cart comes by fast around a corner and makes a quick distract- distraction. His hat flies off and he's bald underneath. So Sue goes running behind the cottages that she saw. And the man chases her she runs and runs and runs she finds a large one with a baby and says please hide me please 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 and she's like no no she's no i'll pay you i'll pay you and pulls out the coins that the taxi driver wouldn't take earlier and, she, and the woman says gold sovereign i saw one once when i was a little lush. And it's just fine fine i'll hide you just come in hide under this kindling in this kindling basket this is another thing when i think of this book and this tv episode one of the first things i think of is just this little part right here oh hiding in the basket yeah so as sue hides in the basket it hits her that she's she thinks she's might be an old-time london what gave it away these coins are actually old money and huh. maybe the, that weird thing that the guy was doing with the stones brought her back in time what like maybe that's what's happening oh wow okay And but the the man must have mistaken her for someone else and then she hears voices and then this is the part that I think of she hears the woman saying she's right in here sire I put her in this box for you she's all wrapped up for you ready to go take her away she is she is and so uh, Sue tries to get out of the basket realizes that she's caught the woman didn't help her and she feels somebody picking up the box and she hears the woman whisper into the box I'm so sorry I hope you find in your art to forgive me but I dare not go against the Lord High Executioner and Sue said <laughs> what did you say to me? I said Lord High Executioner. Oh no, so that man is the Lord High Executioner girl. Oh, he scares me. So Sue mm-hmm. feels herself in that basket. She feels herself. She feels herself yes. being picked up and put in some carriage or horse cart, banged around, and is like lifted out of it. And they take she finds-scary a- you guys? <laughs> it is kind of scary. She's lifted out by soldiers and they take her to Terror Tower. Ooh. And as she's being Dragged through the courtyard It's filled with Silent grim people Like scarecrows Dirty their faces blank Some sat or wept And stared at the sky Babies crying Some men and women Sat in the dirt Moaning and muttering There's even like One person with a bleeding foot Covered with a dirty rag Isn't this scary? And she shoved up the stairs She realizes there's The prisoners The debtor prisoners The ones who couldn't Pay their debts And she goes past that To give s- us our debts She goes past that You know That prison cell Halfway up the tower And then she gets to that that, the, ta- the, the chamber at the top and they lock her into that room and she stumbles to the floor landing, landing on, on elbows, elbows and knees. knees she doesn't fall hard but she lands on those elbows and knees anyone if anyone would t- take time practicing landing on your elbows and knees please do it because i still can't do it slash know what that looks like i'm too busy staring in the mirror making my eyes glow darkly you know what's not in this book is there a redhead one of the women that must have been a redhead they must be a woman that's redheaded. I mean, not just because it has to be a woman, but I was just thinking, like maybe the woman is. Does Morgrid have red hair? No. Who? Um. So Sue. So Sue's like, oh no, I'm locked in, and hears somebody go, Sue, and it's Eddie. Eddie's already in there. Oh, Edward, Eddie, Eddie, what are you doing here? He said he'd been captured by the man when that arc that ox cart came by, and, and, and Sue's like, that ain't no man. That's the Lord High Executioner. And then they realize, oh no, someone's someone's coming, and the door opens. And here comes a white-haired man with long and wild hair that fell, falls in t- thick tangles down his shoulders. And he has a short, wide beard that ends in a sharp point, and a purple robe down to the floor, and purple eyes. Who does he think he is, Elizabeth Taylor? And she, and they're like, and Sue comments that he seems sad. And he says, "You have returned." He says, "You do not remember." Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because Daniel has notes up in his computer and we, like, kind of go through the notes and I see a, a, um, a, um, a, a spelling error coming out that really made me laugh. <laughs> uh, you'll have to tell the class what it is. Okay, well, there. I'll tell them in just a second. I write these notes quickly, by the way, as I'm reading. <laughs> so he... <laughs> He It's this sad purple man, right? And he says, you guys don't remember me, but you will. Uh, he said, I wish it were my power to release you, Edward. You too, Susanna. And his name is Morgrid. He's the king sorcerer. I laugh because it says my na- his name is Mortared. Well, it, my computer auto-corrected it from Morgrid to Mortared. <laughs> uh, so I went with it. Yeah. And Sue's like, what? Don't call me Susanna. My name is Sue. And Edward's like, I'm not Edward. I'm Eddie. Everyone always calls me Eddie. And Morgrid puts his hands on their shoulders and says, you really are Edward and Susanna. You are the prince and princess of York. You have been ordered to the tower by your uncle, the king. I cast a spell on you to help you escape your fate. They were going to be smothered by pillows. Can you believe they are going to be smothered by pillows? I erased that was their your memories and whisked you away to the abbey and then to the future. So you'd be safe in the future. Future. so eddie and sue are like no that can't be that just can't be how could that be how could that be so eddie says i oh, know that's not that's wrong i'm eddie and, and morgan and Morty goes, oh, Ed yeah? says yeah should- what's your last name and then he's like, what? And Margaret says, I, I gave you guys memories, but not complete memories. And I'm so sorry to tell you, but your parents, the king and queen, they're dead. And your uncle ordered to have you taken out of the way to name himself king, and pff, there's no way I can stop him now. He said that the Lord High Executioner had been spying on him when he cast the spell, and that the executioner used the three white stones to send himself into the future and drag them back. And so, uh, as he does this, he places, as he's, as he's telling them this, he places his hand on Sue's head until her, his hand becomes warmer and warmer until it burns and burns and then her memory is back. And then he does the same thing to Eddie and burns and burns till Eddie's memory is back and he's no longer Eddie. He's now officially Edward of York. And Edward and Susanna say, well, can't you just send us to the future again? He says, no, I need, I need the three stones and the Lord High Executioner stole them. And Edward goes, oh yeah, tink again. Edward stole them again. Oh, the mad pickpocket strikes again. Fastest hands in all of Britannia. And so (laughs) Morgward takes the three stones, um, and they just float in the air, and they glow. And he says, the spell is really simple. All you have to do is pile them on top of each other and say, Moverum, Loverus, Moverus. And then he calls out the year he wants to send them to. So he'll go, Moverum, Loverus, Moverus. 1995! And he says uh, he says unfortunately he can't do it again though he oh. otherwise the king you know like the new king will torture him and kill him and he won't be able to use his magic to help Britain anymore. You this know? seems kind of bullshit. I mean, there's a th- here's where some plot holes that you can literally fly through. And Susan's Sus- sorry, Susanna's like what the. You- you can't you really can't do it again because you're afraid if you do it again he'll kill you and you can't But what about what what about us right now what if we order you and he's like sorry there's nothing I can do when I sent you as American kids before into the future that's the only thing I could do so he hugs them both says I'm so sorry I'm helpless I beg your forgiveness and says you only have a few hours to live and he turns away because he can't bear to face them wow Morgrid and as he's just turning away just standing in a corner just feeling sad Edward sees that Morgrid left the door open they go run Sue Sana run and so Edward and susana run towards the door but then they freeze in midair what and morgan says i'm sorry i can't let you escape i just can't i'm so sorry and slams the door and leaves they realize it was a spell that morgan did that made them freeze in the air and so when morgan slams the door shut they finally can move again i thought that was a little odd i was like morgan i don't quite trust morgan i know i mean but- i'm like why are you only gonna half help like what? I don't know. So, but so th- they are stuck in the chamber again. They hear voices outside. They recognize the Lord High Executioner's voice, and she looks over and sees that Eddie has the stones again. He's stolen them again from Morgrid. and he has he's stacking them and he's started to say the spell. And they hear the footsteps coming closer, closer Hurry, closer, closer And the bolt slides, they hear it The door begins to open And Eddie's struggling to stack the stones Oh no, I can't But then he does it as the door flies open just a few more inches And he calls out the words Moveris, leveris, movorum And then the stones explode in a flash of white light And then the light fades quickly And they realize they're just still here Oh no, we're still here in the tower, in the torture chamber And then the door continues to Because it's been taking about ten minutes for it to slowly open The door swings all the way open And they look and they scream at what they see it's the tour group oh what it's a new tour leader not mr smarks it's a woman wearing dressed in layers of red and yellow t-shirts and short skirt over black tights that's the scariest thing in the whole book yeah that's true and susan is like you did it edward you did it and he says call me eddie okay see you isn't that an oddly anticlimactic ending to this whole wild book yes it really really is and the what's actually ridiculous about this is the tour guide and the tour the 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 whole group does not respond at all to Eddie and Sue, Sue being there no don't even react they to don't even acknowledge them. there she there. continues the tour guide just walks in the room and says this tiny tower is where Prince where Edward where these kids are and Prince Susanna of York were held as prisoners they were held here and sentenced to death but they were never executed and somebody goes why not no one knows on the night they were to be murdered the prince and princess vanished disappeared into thin air it is a mystery that will never be solved and Eddie and Sue are like I guess we know the answer to the mystery <laughs> <laughs> and they turn around and see that not only are they in the, in the chamber but more great is there two winking wearing a purple sports jacket and dark gray trousers. And Eddie said, I just had to bring you, Morgan. We need a parent. And he (laughs) goes, shh, don't call me Morgan. I'm I'm Mr. Mr. Morgan Morgan now. Now. And you are Eddie and Sue Morgan. Oh, Eddie's like, I stole the stones from your robe, Mr. Morgan. Everything's fine, Mr. Morgan. And then (laughs) they realize they are so hungry. And Mr. Morgan says, shall I perform a food spell Uh (laughs) (laughs) so let's read the first (laughs) and last (laughs) paragraph of this book I'm scared Eddie said Eddie and I let out a loud groan I think I've had enough spells to last a lifetime I said how about we go to Burger Palace for some good old 20th century hamburgers and fries So, it's so weird that this book get, doesn't have a twist. You don't get a twist ending in this book, which is one of the absolute first in the series. And I gave this book a B when I reread it when I was 16. I think I'm slipping it down to a B- minus or a, or a C plus only because for several reasons. Also, I don't did we mention that this is the longest goosebumps book in it the series? It is goosebumps so long. Series? It's 33 chapters, and 129 pages. pages. It is the longest goosebumps book in the series. It took and a long time to read. It took a very long lie. time to read it. But my thing is like, okay, so how does Morgrid... Do, I guess there's no point even. But, like, Morgrid, like, invented clothes for them. You know what I mean? Like, when they're sent to the future. Normally, I would say, let's, like, break this down and analyze every piece of it. But I don't think it's going to do us any good. But and also, how do they know what a cheeseburger and fries tastes like? That's a great point. Dude. Burger <laughs> palace? And then also, why are they American kids? How did... How did Eddie do you know... you know what I mean? How did Eddie know to include Morgrid in the spell? I, I don't know. Burger palace. What? And how are they going to survive? How are they going to afford anything? Why? is Mr. Morgan doing magic for the rest of their lives. None of it makes (laughs) sense. Like absolutely. Well, so I got so used to the ending of the, the TV episode kind of like, not the, not the, the very end, but like kind of, it ends differently in the TV. episode. Let's talk about it. And I got so used to that, that I was surprised when I read the book again, I was like, this is how this ends. Yes. So the TV episode is one of those two parters or like episodes, I guess yeah. Two-parter um, And R.L. Stein hosts it Oh, hello I'm R.L. Stein. I write the Goosebumps books Today's story is a night in Terror Tower It all begins right here In the torture chamber Eddie and Sue are about to make their first visit It might also be their last Do you know the scariest part of the tour? Trying to get out. I hope you enjoy your visit. Uh, excuse me, Miss. Can I get this gift rack? And it was uh, aired February 25th, 1996. Season one of the TV show. Season episode... one? I thought it was like really late in the mm-hmm, series. No, episode 16 and 17. In this episode is Catherine Short who played Sabrina in The Haunted Mask and will later play Sabrina in The Haunted Mask 2. And the only acting she's ever done in her entire career are three episodes of Goosebumps. I love it. And, and I rather—I think she's pretty good. You know what I think is really good is Corey Sevier, who plays Eddie. I think he's really great. I think he's really good, too. I think, listen, and this is going to be my complaint about... There's a lot of heavy breathing acting? I don't know <laughs> i can remember what i did today so can i yes a lot he he does oh i think he does a little too much well he's like but i would rather have a little too much than yes not enough. because this think about this episode being so high concept and crazy and they have to do british accents at some point and they have to like really you know question their mortality and think <laughs> of the other actors we've had previously in Gussin's episodes and would they be able to handle this material yes that's correct you know and, what i mean and one thing, but one thing I did notice this time around, and it's like a lesson to us as actors never to do or whatever, is like just because we're scared doesn't mean we're all of a sudden out of breath. Even if we've been sitting down for a while, all of a, when, when they're scared, they're like... <laughs> There's so much breathing, it's absolutely... Uh, yeah, it's over, a little It's overwhelming. Uh, what I have to say about this TV epi- the, the TV episodes, I think this, out of maybe almost all of the TV episodes, is the most true, besides the ending, the very, very ending, is the most true to the book. There's a lot of differences, though. You think? Because. I think it's such. I think. In the TV episode. I think it does one they, of the best jobs of. I think they do a really good job, but they kind of set this press in the beginning where Eddie and Sue start seeing things you're that right there. I'm, You're right. You're absolutely right. Like when they walk up to the tower at the beginning, which I think the set dressing is pretty. It, all that's actually excuse me, actually pretty good. But like Eddie looks up in the tower and he sees, I think it's more good, right? Sees him up there going, turn back, turn back. Yes. And now that you're saying this, I realize the climax of this is very different. Yeah. So th- and I take it all back, but I think <laughs> what i what i maybe what I mean to say is I think it does a really good job of adapting this book. Yes, to a TV episode that works really well and, you know, stays true to the original story and, takes a lot of the lines and stuff and a lot of the cues from it directly from the book. Like, I think I think um uh the lord high executioner is pretty well cast and like the him still screaming you can't escape me still haunts my dreams or whatever. You can't me! And the sequence in this book uh, this TV episode that really really scared me and actually gave me nightmares is the part where they went up to the tower or whatever they're like Also when they go up to the tower like All of a sudden there's a thunderstorm out of nowhere And Morgred kind of appears from the past And it's like turn back, turn back There's kind of like portents from the past That kind of seep through Like every now and then Sue sees like Old people with dirty faces Eating grubby chicken instead of seeing people In modern day England Do you know what I mean? yes. Um, But what really frightens me is there's a sequence where You know they're getting chased by the Lord High Executioner And it's that part where they stumble into the chamber And there's like in the book it's the recording on loop Going like you're in the king's dungeon, but they like run to this chamber and there's a bunch of wax figures with hands and dead, tortured faces reaching out to them. And the special, either it's 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 incredible. It's, if they're if they're mannequins, they're really no, realistic no, it's, and terrifying. What it, what it is, what they do, which I think is so Actors, smart. Actors and they shellac their faces. And it's so scary. It's one of the scariest things I think I've seen in the Goosebumps episode. It, it is, really, really frightens Is like you know they have prisoners in the chamber. And reaching through the bars and it's like uh, mechanical arms like reaching through but they have real actors like doing the heads poking through like the bars of like this fake dungeon like with a shocked expression shellac to make it looks like they're wax but you can see that it's a real person it's really with a haunting like horrified scream on it's, their face it's very scary in fact I don't know if these two episodes are worth watching necessarily all together but next time you're folding laundry and there's a TV screen in front of you you might as well watch it to get to this kind of scary point um one other thing I want to say about the TV episode is that i was so conscious of the extras in this episode the extras are really piss poor some really piss poor, extra really poor over-the-top extras my new pet peeve is old extras that mine are really too bad. old extras are really terrible yeah old extras are fucking terrible so um there's uh, so it stays pretty true to almost the whole story except you know again the instead um, of a sea of rats coming it's bats. bats and actually the bat sequence i think is pretty scary too it is scary but, it, you know, the same thing happens where they go on the, they come off the double-decker bus, they take the tour of the tower, they get trapped, they turn around and realize they're left in the chamber, they're chased by the man through the sewer, they end up they come out the manhole. During, they come out during daytime, and it's, and they kind of like, you know, it's the same kind of guard that catches them, but they run and catch a cab, they can't pay for the cab, they're staying at the Balmoral Hotel, they there's get, some over-the-top southern woman for no reason trying to get her room. There's an over-the-top, like o- overly annoyed, front desk guy who really bugged me. Yeah, some kind of. There comes some shitty actors. Um, one part that always sticks out in my head about this episode is when the when Eddie and Sue go for high tea, they can't get in without a suit jacket, so they give Eddie this kind of like giant jacket. That's to wear. real. When I was reading the book, I was like, "Why where's, I where's jacket? the jacket?" part, and that part, this might sound silly, that part kind of scared me as a kid because I, as a whole, growing up and to this day, don't really like to dress up. And there's been times where I we haven't been able to get into clubs or places because I'm clothes that are embarrassing and not appropriate enough (laughs) and just the idea idea of that tears me as a little kid having to wear a jacket to get in somewhere it's true it's so scary so and they're they're seated at the restaurant and while they're at the while they're at the restaurant having their high tea there's a really over-the-top woman who's like eating a cupcake she's like she's pretending to eat a cupcake because it's bad you know like continuity acting where they don't want her eating the cupcakes she's just kind of going mm, mm, but like not really eating a cupcake and as Matthew said Sue looks over and sees like a flash of her chomping down on a turkey leg with a dirty dusty old face and all of a sudden Eddie and Sue can't remember anything and they're completely out of breath but I think Corey Sevier is actually pretty good in this sequence you know um, they re- they sneak through the ki- they try to run away when the and, taxi and driver st- comes and instead they sneak of through the hallways kitchen. they're in the kitchen and the man in the the hat the Lord High Executioner shows he's inexplicably up inexplicably in the kitchen of the he's Balmer in the Hotel. kitchen and I, there's a moment where where Eddie, sa- Eddie says, what room is, like, what? he says, like, where are we? Like, what kind of, what is this place? And Sue's like, it's a kitchen. Yeah. And for a second, I was like, it's a kitchen, idiot. And yeah. then I thought, is that a hint of Edward coming? I'm thinking wait what's so Oh. Edward coming through. Where he's like, I've never seen an industrial kitchen like oh, this. Oh, wow. So the same thing kind of happens. It happens in the kitchen where they he stacks the stones. They travel back in time. Um and Sue's like all by herself, and she's kind of stumbling through places outside. And the set dressing for this is pretty good. We have a lot of ugly, dusty kids coming up and pointing at there, Sue. There's and stuff no like that. There's no sequence like with a with the in the um, Abbey. She just immediately kind of goes outside, basically. So when Sue wakes up, she just goes outside, and it's that outside sequence where the woman hides her in the basket. The same old thing, just like the book. There's a really amazing woman who instead of you know in the book it's the hooded figure walking down the hallway I smell evil but there's the old woman going like I smell evil (laughs) I smell She is absolutely incredible. Yeah, she's really great. And so, you know, Sue, because she gets she gets tricked by that old uh gold sovereign's loving little last bitch. She gets taken away in, in the box and she gets thrown up in the torture chamber or whatever and, with Eddie. And with Eddie and Morgrid is there. And Morgrid it looks like poor man's Donnie Wahlberg to me. Yeah, he's like younger and like, you know, whatever. No purple eyes, and, no long hair. He's like baldish. And he and he basically tells him the same thing, and then all of a sudden he was like eddie Eddie and sue become edward and susanna and they're wearing like crowns and robes and they have british accents and stuff like that now i remember so do i and this this sequence really terrified me as a kid too this does not happen in the book but the lord high executioner comes and is literally taking edward and susanna down to the dungeon to be beheaded we show at we see axes being sharpened and they take he takes them to like a like a you know like a Royal court sort of thing, and it looks like Game of, Th- you know, like low budget Game of Thrones. And, and there's like choirs singing in chains, and Edward and Susanna now have ter- ter- have terrible fake British accents. And are wearing like royal like robes and they're and like crowns to their fate. And Susanna's like, "Be bread, be brave, Edward." And Edward like walks forward to get his head chopped off. But right before he does, he he jumps into the high executioner's arms and says, like, like, "Please don't hurt me." Please. No, I can't, can't. And like Susanna's like, "Be brave, Edward, be brave." But of course, the mad pickpocket, the fastest hands in Britannia, are stealing the white stones to stack them on top of each other. So he steals the white stones just in time. He throws them to Morgrid, who's there, um, and, and and then Eddie headbutts a guard and. Susanna sticks out a stockinged foot and like trips a guard it doesn't make any sense and, uh, there's no tension because because Sue is just like laughing the whole time and, and then, smiling uh, and then CGI fire they uh, disintegrate and now they're in the future again and then they or wake the present again and then I guess the past again because this is 1996 and they wake up at Ed, Ed, Eddie and Sue wake up on like the dungeon floor and where the uh, the automated, like, you know, you enter the King's Dungeon thing is playing. They're, like, sleeping on the floor, and the tour, Mr. Starks Mr. Starks, comes the in. tour it's guy like, comes in. What are you doing? We we're looking for you kids everywhere. And it takes about um, a good 30 seconds for Eddie and Sue to acknowledge that Oh, we made it! How, yeah, when, didn't you think you'd think about that when you woke up? And like, Miss, and then Morged shows up out of nowhere, and they're like all happy about it or whatever. And they're like, "Oh, Margaret bleh. And so, you know, their new dad, Mister Morgan Morgrid, and Eddie and Sue get on the tour bus again. But Morgan only has two of the white stones, and he was like, "Eddie, you took my stones again." And uh, Ed, um, Eddie asked Mister Starks, "You know what? What happened about the prince and princess?" He said they were they vanished. And they were never heard from again. Basically, oh. and then the bus drives away, and then we see. Dun dun dun! The Lord High Executioner watching the bus drive away, and he's holding the third of the white stones. So he's like still out there. He like he had like lunged for the stones as Morgan was like chanting or whatever. So now that you we go through, that, I re, I recognize. But there are some big differences. I don't like that twist at the end. It To me, it reminds me of the end of Twilight, where it's like, you know, fucking uh, Rachel Lefebvre or whatever, like kind of is right there and kind of turns the camera and it's like, uh, like oh, we're to be continued. Oh, this is going to get crazy. That twist is not a Goosebumps all stein twist because it's outside of there. It's like a third person yes, twist. I was, it's like well, a I drama- was thinking about, it's dramatic irony. Exactly. I was thinking this. I was like, well, this couldn't happen in a Goosebumps book because Goosebumps book are always first person. Yeah. Um, almost always first person. So, you know. This doesn't quite work. It works for, like, a TV episode for kids or whatever. Yeah. But if you're thinking true goosebumps, it's not quite. Well, thank you guys for joining me, um, j- just me, Matthew, on facing my fears and reliving this uh, tortured chamber time travel Ooh. Night in Terror Tower episode. This was actually fun to go back and revisit this. And now for now we've officially survived the scariest book in the series as far oh, as I'm concerned. Man. It actually really scares me. But we're not done traveling through time, are we? Uh-uh. We're, the next book is... is, is we're, we're going to travel. We're going to time travel a little bit more with the Cuckoo, Cuckoo Clock, Clock of Doom. Doom. It's going to get weird. Yeah, I hope you guys are on time. Oh, don't be late. Oh, oh, Dana, oh, what do you say we go to Burger oh, oh. Palace and get a nice 20th century burgers and fries? I'll get some fries if, if you dare. You dare. <laughs> That's our story. Time to go. The tower is closing. How do you get out of here? Can somebody show me the way out? How do we get out? Really, somebody help me. Let me out. Let me out.